Non-Believer Bible Club. Yes, welcome back once again to the Non-Believer Bible Club. Since last week's reading, one specific character has stuck out in my mind. Not Saul, not David, but Abner. Yes, Abner, the son of Ner, the captain of the armies of King Saul. I think he's the most underrated person in the Bible so far. The reason why is because he has one of the most interesting stories I've ever read in this book. So before I read today, here's a recap with some behind-the-scenes fun facts about the most interesting guy in the book of Samuel, Abner, son of Ner. Abner is the son of Ner, but who is Ner? He's Kish's brother. Who's Kish? Saul's dad. Wait, what does that mean? Abner, who would become the captain of King Saul's army, is his cousin. And he's easy to miss at first. One of the first moments we encounter Abner is when he's standing at the king's side and they're asking each other, hey, who just killed Goliath? David outshining the both of them becomes a continuous theme. David loudly embarrasses the hell out of Abner when he sneaks up on them in a cave. David loudly says, As the Lord liveth, you are worthy to die, because ye have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. And this continues to be a theme, because Saul is killed albeit in an unwinnable conflict prophesied by a witch. What happens next is where Abner really begins to shine. Instead of dying in the battle or giving up and saying, ah, to hell with this, Abner finds Ishbosheth, King Saul's 40-year-old son, and, like father, like son, also a loser. He installs him as the king over all Israel, except for Judah, who pledged themselves to King David, and the Game of Thrones begins. This gives us two major battles. In the first, Abner fights against the forces of Joab, sent by King David, staring down Joab from the other side of a pool. He says, okay, okay, let's keep this gentlemanly, let's keep it fair. Twelve on twelve, we'll see who wins. They slaughter each other and not a one of them wins, sparking a huge battle at Halkath Hazarim, battle number two. Abner loses 360 men, while Joab only 19. Despite this huge loss, Abner refuses to kill Joab's brother, Asahel. He says, yo, go home, we're retreating. We'll fight another day. Who is this guy? Asahel, not listening, probably mad that his parents named him Asahel, continues to run at him. Then something weird happens. Abner hits him with the butt of his spear, presumably as a warning, but it goes all the way through him, and he dies. Oh well. By this time, Joab catches up to them and sees, oh no, you've murdered Asahel. That's when Abner whips out this line. Shall the sword devour forever? Knowest thou not that it will be bitterness in the latter end? How long shall it be then, ere thou bid the people return from following their brethren? He advocates for peace, and the two armies go home. Even though he's fighting against King David, Abner proves that he's a loyal and principled man. Then something happens, which took me completely by surprise. Ishbosheth accuses Abner of sleeping with his dead father's concubine, Ritzpah. Not only very insulting, but to sleep with the king's concubine is to assume kingship yourself. So Ishbosheth is apparently accusing Abner of treason. Abner, who served his father Saul. Abner, who just lost 360 men in a battle fighting against Ishbosheth's enemies. Yes, the very Abner, who has propped up Ishbosheth and instilled him as king. Abner gets so pissed, he says, Okay, I'm calling the war off. You lost, David won. I'm going to tell everybody to side with him. 
And then the weirdest thing of all happens. Ishbosheth does nothing. Ishbosheth just lets it happen. Why? Because Ishbosheth, a 40 year old man, is afraid of Abner. <laughs> Way to choose the right side, Abner. From here out, Abner now initiates peace talks between the house of Saul and the house of David. He tells David, I'm going to give you everything. David agrees, under the condition that Abner brings him Michal, his first wife. While they were at war with each other, King Saul married her to someone else. But now that he's dead, King David wants her back. So Abner, a man of intelligence and talent, begins one last task, to break up a marriage. He finds Michelle, tells her husband to fuck off, and brings her to David, single-handedly making him king over all of Israel. Abner has no enemies, except for Joab. When Joab finds out that King David and Abner are friends, he goes behind the king's back, invites Abner to meet the king, and secretly assassinates him. This is a super shady end for Abner, and for two reasons. One, they're currently in Hebron, named as a city of refuge in Deuteronomy. It's sort of like the Continental in John Wick. Hitmen can do no business in a city of refuge. So by killing Abner, Joab has gone against the law of Moses. But two, this leads to some speculation that maybe David knew about it. Abner's kind of hot shit. Sure, Joab would want to get rid of him. But maybe David turned a blind eye and just let what happened happen. This moment is dramatized in a midrash, basically Jewish spicy commentary, where they say Abner catches Joab and threatens to crush him to death. Joab smote him, but even in his dying hour, Abner seized his foe like a ball of thread, threatening to crush him. Then the Israelites came and pleaded for Joab's life, saying, If thou killest him, we shall be orphaned, and our women and all our belongings will become a prey to the Philistines. Abner answered, What can I do? He has extinguished my light. The Israelites replied, Entrust thy cause to the true judge, God. Then Abner released his hold upon Joab and fell dead to the ground. That's a crazy way to go. Another extra-biblical source claims that Abner is the son of the witch of Endor, who predicts Saul's death in the Battle of Mount Geboa. I don't really know what this means, except that when Saul goes to the witch of Endor for advice, he's really just going to his aunt. A similar source has Abner say, if I could only catch hold of the earth, I could shake it. Abner, the man who was the effective king of Israel after Saul, a man who knew death, a man who laid ultimate power at the feet of another, someone who wasn't beyond being sent to steal some guy's wife. <laughs> what a life. There are plenty of films about the apostles, but when is Angel Studios going to make the movie about this guy? Only God knows. So with that, welcome to the Nonbeliever Bible Club. And now, joineth me as we continue to read the second book of Samuel. Chapter 7, let's go. And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in an house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. 
And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night, that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, or, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me an house of cedar? Okay, God wants a house of cedar. Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. <gasps> page turn. Early page turn. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before time, and as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee an house, and when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, <laughs> and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. <laughs> he put him away. God's toys. Saul has been put away. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Then went King David in, and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house, that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of men, O Lord God? What's happening next in the Bible? I thought I was in the sequel, but it sounds like I'm in the prequel. What's going on? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things, to make thy servant know them. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to make, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, 
and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemedst to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. This sounds more like a song. Whenever they start repeating lines, For thou, O Lord of hosts, and now, O Lord God of hosts, who am I, O Lord? That's how he starts, who am I? This sounds like one of his songs. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. Chapter 8 and after this, it came to pass that David smote the Philistines, you know, average Sunday, and subdued them. And David took Methegamah out of the hand of the Philistines, and he smote Moab, and measured them with a line, casting them down to the ground. Even with two lines measured he to put to death, and with one full line to keep alive. And so the Moabites became David's servants, and brought gifts. David smote also Hadadezer, the son of Rahab, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his borders at the river Euphrates. And David took from him a thousand chariots, seven hundred horsemen, and twenty thousand footmen. That's a lot of stuff. And David huffed all the chariot horses, but reserved of them for an hundred chariots. The word huff, H-O-U-G-H, meaning to sever the tendon of Achilles of the hinder legs of captured horses. It's another word for hawk. In Scotland, a cut of meat responding to the shin. Ham hocks. Mm. So David crippled all of their horses but kept 100 for himself. This is becoming an actual kingdom. They, they have resources now. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to succor Hadadezer, king of Sobah, David slew of the Syrians two and twenty thousand men. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought gifts. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Betah and from Berothai, cities of Hadadezer, King David took exceeding much brass. When they wandered the desert, they just gave away their jewelry and personal possessions. Now they're like, well, we'll take theirs. When Toi, T-O-I, king of Hamath, heard that David had smitten all the host of Hadadezer, then Toi sent Joram, his son, unto King David to salute him and to bless him, because he had fought against Hadadezer and smitten him. For Hadadezer had wars with Toi. 
And Joram brought with him vessels of silver, and vessels of gold, and vessels of brass, which also King David did dedicate unto the Lord, with the silver and gold that he had dedicated of all nations which he subdued, of Syria and of Moab, and of the children of Ammon, and of the Philistines, and of Amalek, and of the spoil of Hadadezer, son of Rehob, king of Zobah. And David gat him a name, when he returned from smiting of the Syrians in the valley of Salt, being eighteen thousand men. And he put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom put he garrisons, and all they of Edom became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And David ruled over all Israel, and David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. And Joab the son of Zeruiah was over the host, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. So Joab's back, huh? Hmm. The conspiracy confirmed? I thought he was supposed to die of leprosy and being hungry. And Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. And Saraiah was the scribe. And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, was over both the Cherethites and the Pelethites, and David's sons were chief rulers. Chapter 9 And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may shew him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Ah, his old promise to his old bro. He's like, yo, don't kill everybody related to me when you become king. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may shew the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face, because his feet were lame, and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely shew thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore, and thy sons and thy servants, shalt till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread alway at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. <laughs> what is this guy? He, he's a servant. And there was of the house of Saul a servant, who had fifteen sons and twenty servants. 
Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son. Ah, not that lame, huh? <laughs> Whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and was lame on both his feet. Chapter 10 And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanun his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will shew kindness unto Hanun the son of Nahash, as his father shewed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the lord of Ammon said unto Hanun their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city, and to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Page turn. Wherefore Hanun took David's servants, and shaved off one half of their beards, and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. Dang! When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. Oh no! They can't show up without their beards. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth-Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, twenty thousand footmen, and of King Machah, a thousand men, and of Ishtab, twelve thousand men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the host of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array, at the entering in of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, and of Rehob, and Ishtob, and Makkah were themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him, before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel, and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people, and for the cities of our God, and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. And Joab drew nigh, and the people that were with him, unto the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then fled they also before Abishai and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon, and came to Jerusalem. And when the Syrians saw that they were smitten before Israel, they gathered themselves together. And Hadarezer sent, and brought out the Syrians that were beyond the river, and they came to Helam. And Shobach, the captain of the host of Hadarezer, went before them. And when it was told David, he gathered all Israel together, and passed over Jordan, and came to Halam, and the Syrians set themselves in array against David, and fought with him. 
and the Syrians fled before Israel, and David slew the men of seven hundred chariots of the Syrians, and forty thousand horsemen, and smote Shobach the captain of their host, who died there. And when all the kings that were servants to Hadarezer saw that they were smitten before Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians feared to help the children of Ammon any more. Yes, David is king. All is well, so to speak. But they still live in the ancient world, so they are constantly at war with each other, battling and oppressing each other. But the kingdom is intact. For the first time in a long time, the children of Israel have somewhere to be, and a strong leader to keep them there. You know, this actually reminds me of something that happened during the First Crusade. The Crusaders had been laying siege to the city of Antioch for almost a year. They finally break through when the Seljuk Turks arrive and start a new siege with the Crusaders inside. They're hopelessly outnumbered. It's actually a crazy story. This monk guy maybe pretends that he finds the actual lance that pierced Christ during the crucifixion, the Holy Lance, and the Crusaders, believing that they had this relic, basically charge at the Seljuk forces, who are so disunified, they actually flee, and the Crusaders win. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then fled they also before Abishai and entered the city. Crazy. Chapter 11. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, Man, I've been waiting for this for a long time. At the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon <laughs> over a misunderstanding and bad advice, just had to shave their beards, and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem, and it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? And David sent messengers, and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. Now what does that mean? She was on her period, so by the law she had to wash herself. But, because she washed herself, now she was pure. So it's sexy time. And the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I'm with child, asshole. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David, and when Uriah was come unto him, he lay with him as well. I'm kidding. <laughs> David demanded of him how Joab did, and how the people did, and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house, and there followed him a mess of meat from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and went not to his house. And when they had told David, saying, Uriah went not down unto his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go unto thine house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. 
Shall I then go into mine house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife, like you probably wanted me to? As thou livest, and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Damn, Uriah's actually a really good dude. His mistake. And David said to Uriah, Tarry here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at even he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his lord, but went not down to his house. Man, Uriah thinks it's dishonorable to go home and enjoy the pleasure and company of his wife. But that's the whole reason why David's brought him here. If his wife becomes pregnant and he hasn't been in to see her, then... And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter, saying, Set ye Uriah in the front... <laughs> oh, no. Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him, that he may be smitten and to die. And it came to pass, when Joab observed the city, that he assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. Oh, man, this is looking even worse for Abner. David and Joab conspiring to kill an honorable man. It's like, well, we've done it before. <laughs> and the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David. And Uriah the Hittite died also. Dang, he never got to have sex with his wife. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approached ye so nigh unto the city when ye did fight? Knew ye well that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech the son of Jerubesheth? Did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall that he died in Thebes? Yeah, I remember that. Why went ye nigh the wall? Then say thou, Thy servant, Uriah the Hittite, is dead also. So the messenger went and came and shewed David all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out unto us into the field. And we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. And the shooters shot from off the wall upon thy servants. And some of the king's servants be dead. And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as another. Make thy battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage thou him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. Ooh. Man, she don't love David, she loves her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house. And she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Oh. Chapter 12 And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, 
and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, I know what you're talking about. As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. Oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things, such and such. Wherefore, hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Oh man, he just used the heathen to kill Israelites. Oh, come on, David. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Page turn. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou dis didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, and washed and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. 
Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And David comforted Bathsheba his wife, and went in unto her, and lay with her, and she bare a son. And he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet, and he called his name Jedidiah, because of the Lord. Jedidiah apparently translates to beloved of the Lord. Fitting, because the one child that died had no name. Now Solomon has two. And Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Ammon and took the royal city. Yeah, by the way, there's a war happening. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and have taken the city of waters. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it lest I take the city, and it be called after my name. <laughs> oh my god. Everybody's being a dick to David because they're tired of his shit. And David gathered all the people together, and went to Rabbah, and fought against it, and took it. And he took their king's crown from off his head, the weight whereof was a talent of gold with the precious stones, and it was set on David's head. And he brought forth the spoil of the city in great abundance, and he brought forth the people that were therein, and put them under saws, and under harrows of iron, and under axes of iron, and made them pass through the brick kiln, brick kiln. And thus did he unto all the cities of the children of Ammon. So David and all the people returned unto Jerusalem. And here we will end our reading for today. Now what is a brick kiln? Yeah, that's basically what I thought. The brick kiln where they make bricks. He put everybody to work. Not a time of jubilation in the kingdom of David. For with this reading, we see David's great sin. We see his major character flaw. He's addicted to the women. He wants to have it all. So he has proven his iniquity, but he has been allowed by God to live. He didn't turn his back on him like he did Saul. Now why is that? According to a commentary I read like a week ago. Because David's sin is that of passion, of the lusts. But at his heart, he is a good man. Saul, on the other hand, sucked through and through. When David realized that he had done wrong, he immediately prostrated himself on the ground. He said, I have sinned. And by the end of this, it's pretty amazing. I haven't seen anybody talk to a leader not in this book, howbeit because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And then Nathan went away. <laughs> and then Nathan left with his life. That's crazy. Even Joab at the end. Come and claim this city in your name before I make this the city of Joab. Then there's the other part of the curse. There will be descent among his family. Well, no shit. 
That's what happens when you have more than one wife. But even in this, God is being kind of a cool guy. I mean, kind of. He's being a cool mom about it. It's like, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you can have... Uh, I don't want you to have more than one wife, but have all of Saul's wives. They're not doing anything. They kind of got screwed out of the deal. Wives. You can't have just one. Well, David is starting to see what the temptation of being a king is really like. In the words of Bill Burr, you have no idea what it's like to be tempted at that level. It was too much for David, who's been a through and through winner to deal with, but because he's the one on top, he's got to set the standard. It was much easier when he had Saul to deal with, because he's like, I'm better than Saul, but now that he's the king, it's all too easy to just reach out his hand and take whatever he wants. But the theme of this story is that just because you can doesn't mean you should. And with that, I bid thee adieu. Thank you for listening to the Nonbeliever Bible Club. I have such a great time every time I do this. Next week, we'll see what else David's poor decisions get him up to. But for now, take care. Don't take more than one wife to yourself. Definitely don't take your servant's wife. And lastly, adios.